From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition, earlier this afternoon, President Biden presented the second largest federal budget request in history, $5.8 trillion, which was just slightly under his last year request of $6 trillion. The budget I'm releasing today sends a clear message to the American people that we've what we value. First, fiscal responsibility. Second, safety and security. And thirdly, the, excuse me, the investments needed to build a better America. Uh, we'll talk about it. And they vote in the Senate Judiciary Committee to approve President Biden's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court. Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been delayed one week. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn will join me to define delay as well as discuss a few other breaking news items. Also, what effect might this have on the war in Ukraine? We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. That was President Biden speaking in Warsaw, Poland on Saturday. Those nine words that he spoke that were unscripted have created quite a buzz. How might Vladimir Putin interpret those words? We'll talk about it with FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, later here on Washington Watch. In Israel yesterday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was addressing another foreign policy objective of the Biden administration. There is no daylight between us on the fundamental proposition that Iran must never be allowed to acquire a nuclear weapon. Uh, And whether there is a return to the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear agreement, or not, that principle will not change, nor will our commitment to it. Will the shared principle keep the U.S. and Israel united when we're miles apart on the practical implications? We'll talk with CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell, who is staying up late in Jerusalem to talk with us. And authoritarianism is on the rise in the West, and civil liberties are being lost. Former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, now dean at the Robertson School of Government at Regent University, is hosting a conference on the topic tomorrow, and you can join virtually. Michelle joins us later to tell us how. And finally, the World Health Organization, you know, the United Nations agency that gave cover to the Chinese Communist Party that sat on their hands and did not warn the rest of the world about the coronavirus, well, they have issued new guidelines on abortion. The 210-page document demands countries legalize abortion without any gestational limits. And they declare failure to do so is incompatible with international human rights. We'll discuss how this could be used by the left with Mary Sock, director of FRC Center for Human Dignity. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. If you miss anything, you can find it all later archived at TonyPerkins.com. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is Numbers, chapter 27, verses 15 through 17. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Moses going off the scene as the leader of the nation of Israel, understood that leadership of a nation mattered. May America come to that same understanding. To join us in our two-year Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Okay, very quickly, I need your assistance. Uh, We need to know where to put our efforts and energy in promoting Washington Watch. 
I would like to know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. You can help us. Simply text poll, the word poll, to 67742, and we'll send you a list of the ways in which you can tune in. And if you'll just tell us how you listen or watch, that will be extremely helpful to us. Again, text the word poll to 67742. That's 67742, the word poll. Well, earlier today, the Biden administration unveiled the president's budget proposal for 2023 and laid out his priorities for the coming year, which could be pivotal heading into the midterm election. The release of the proposal, totaling about $5.8 trillion in spending, is the first step in the lengthy budget process and comes just weeks after Congress passed the omnibus spending bill for the rest of 2022. Here with me to talk about this and more is Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. She serves on four Senate committees, including the Judiciary Committee, the Armed Services Committee, and the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. Senator, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Thank you so much. It is a busy time in D.C. Well, you've been extremely busy. And before we get into the president's budget, which I'm sure you cannot wait to, uh, to dissect, I want to go back to uh, to the Senate Judiciary Committee today. The Senate Judiciary Committee delayed a vote on the president's nominee for the Supreme Court by one week. And uh, I just want to know, can you define for the American people what a delay is? Well, yes. What we will many times do is hold over nominees. And that's what we did with all of our judicial nominees today. You know, Tony, some of us still have uh, questions for the record, written responses that we're waiting to get. Uh, Some of us sent a letter to Judge Jackson last week asking for clarification on some of our answers. So all of that has to take place. So the the vote on her will be next week. But um, we'll see how that's going to go. What is really interesting to me about this is that Judge Jackson has shown how far to the left she is, how tied in she is with the progressive side of the Democratic Party. So every day that passes, there are more people that say, I do not support having someone who holds these views this far out of the American mainstream. And uh, that is something that I I think people all over the country are weighing in on this, whether it is her praise of progressive education and CRT, her lack of a judicial philosophy, she won't say where she is on court packing, and of course she refused to define the word woman during the time I was questioning her. Well, and I want to go to that, Senator. First off, let me just say it's clear you're you're qualified to serve in the United States Senate because you can define delay. I want to go to that moment, which, you know, there seems like every confirmation hearing there is one moment that uh, really locks the attention of the American people. And I think you had that moment. I want to play that clip from uh, from that exchange that you had with Judge Jackson. Play clip number three, please. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of- I, were you surprised by that response? 
I think you could hear in my voice, I was surprised. I had been discussing CRT with her and couldn't get a straight answer about woke education, woke kindergarten, the program that is taught at Georgetown Day School, where she is on the board. I couldn't get a straight answer there, so I asked her about the case U.S. versus Virginia, which dealt with Virginia Military Academy, and it forced them to admit women. Justice Ginsburg wrote for the majority in that opinion and said there are enduring differences between male and female. And I read part of that decision back to the judge and asked her if she agreed with Justice Ginsburg. She would not give me an answer. And Tony, I thought she would say, yes, I agree with Justice Ginsburg. And I was going to go on and talk about the NCAA and the biological male-female competition, which, of course, the court at some point is going to have to rule on this. And so she wouldn't give me an answer on Ginsburg. So I said, well, define woman. Give me the definition of woman. And I was really surprised that she did not because the seminal victory for women in that VMI case was that their all male admission standard was pulled down. And now you have women that attend these military academies as they ought to be able to do so. But this just shows you how far to the left this progressive wing of the party is pushing to the point that they won't even define woman. So how do you rule on a Title VII or a Title IX or a discrimination case or Violence Against Women Act? How do you make those rulings if you will not define the difference between male and female? Extremely important point. As you said, these cases are making their way up to the Supreme Court. So it's not so much that she couldn't define woman. It's that she wouldn't define she woman. She refused to define. That's right. Because this would incite the, the left who, th- you know, they, they want to say that gender is uh, up for definition. You can well, define Yes. It. And demand justice, uh, which is a far left organization. They are spending millions of dollars to get her on the Supreme Court. And in the last couple of weeks, they have done a $1 million ad buy, social media ad buy to promote her candidacy. They're holding rallies all over the country. And they are very invested in having a Supreme Court justice, Judge Jackson, elevated. Therefore, court packing, uh, we know what their agenda is. It is the far left socialist Marxist agenda. And they're spending a lot of money supporting her. Well, and they, they, they lose half the victory that they're looking for if she is nominated because she, as President Biden said, the first black African-American woman to be appointed to the court. And if we can't define woman any longer, they lose half the, uh, the victory there uh, because she could. Who knows? Maybe she's not a woman. I don't know. Uh, let's move to the president's budget. Uh, the president introducing a budget of five point. $8 trillion, second largest budget uh, request in history, the largest being last year's budget of $6 trillion. Of course, in his comments today, he basically uh, trashed the previous administration for reckless spending. But has this administration taken 
the emergency spending that was done during the uh, Trump administration in response to the shutdown of business and the COVID response and made that their baseline budget? Oh, of course. That's exactly what they're doing. And bear in mind, when George Bush left the presidency and turned over the keys to the Oval Office to Barack Obama, our nation's debt from George Washington to George Bush, it was $10.6 trillion. Barack Obama and Joe Biden basically doubled that debt. So they leave, it's about $22 trillion. We have COVID, Trump added a little bit to it. And now with all of this spending that Joe Biden has done, we're at $30 trillion. And it just shows you that they are spending money left and right. There is no regard for future generations. There's no regard for the tax burden that people are going to have to have in order to keep this country afloat if they're able to continue the spending they're trying to do. Well, they're proposing lots of taxes uh, in this uh, budget request as well. Uh, Senator, we're out of time. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for, uh, for standing so tough in the United States Senate and fighting for the values we care about. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, folks, don't go away. Coming up, Russia is reframing its war goals. What is Moscow saying now and uh, what does it mean moving forward? Also, President Biden's unscripted comments over the weekend in Warsaw, Poland. What could that prompt Vladimir Putin to do? We'll talk about it right after the break with Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. So stay with us. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come right after this. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, 
including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Back during the presidential campaign, President Biden often reminded his audience about the significance of the words a president utters. He said the words of a president matter. They can move markets. They can send our brave men and women to war. They can bring peace. Well, his comments over the weekend has created somewhat of a stir. In fact, earlier today, when the president was unveiling his $5.8 trillion budget, uh, he took questions from the media. And the questions were all about what he had to say over the weekend. As someone commanding one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the world, saying someone cannot remain in power is a statement of U.S. policy. And also, are you concerned about propaganda use of those remarks by the Russians? No and no. Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was, going to, I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody believes that. Joining me now to talk about this is FRC's Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He joins us by phone. General, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Tony. It's good to be with you. So is it nonsense to uh, to think that those president that president's words could be interpreted that uh, America wants a regime change in Russia? <laughs> you know what? Take take a position one way or the other. But but when the White House comes along behind you on everything you say and, and tries to clean up your mess, that confuses people. And not only that, it uh, it, it reduces any trust that they have in, in us and our president. I think that what he did there, I agree with him. There should be a regime change. I mean, we Putin should not stay in power. But that said, that was not the place to say that. And, I, and as I understand it, the script that was written for him did not have that in there. He was ad-libbing, and that is uh, normally what he does, is when he ad-libs, he always goes – into an area that uh, the White House has to clean up afterwards. I mean, I, I agree as well. Uh, but there's a certain, I mean, I, I'll be very candid. I've been praying uh, that the Lord take care of Vladimir Putin so that uh, the people, cool. the peace-loving people of Ukraine 
uh, can have their lives back. But when a president states those types of things, like he did last week, he got out ahead of his administration saying that uh, the Vladimir Putin was a war criminal, and uh, the White yeah. House kind of came and cleaned that up, saying, well, that was just his personal remarks. But then days later, we saw that's the official policy of the uh, administration. And when a president says something like this, you have to think maybe in closed rooms, uh, there was discussions about whether or not we back a regime change. I mean, it's a legitimate conversation. It's a policy that we've not embraced as a nation, but you have to question whether or not those conversations have taken place. Well, that's exactly right. And let me tell you that if that's the case, uh, if they have had discussions on this, that falls into under the heading of what they call covert action. Covert action is uh, is something that is oversighted by Congress. It is something that uh, uh, it takes an, a great deal of planning and preparation. And you know, the U.S. has been involved in that before. And uh, during my time at CIA, I worked in covert action. And and I will tell you to stand up there and uh, and and even insinuate that we are thinking about that is a gross, gross violation of all security regulations, and, and, and it's coming from the president himself. Now, I, look, Putin's not going to survive. I don't think Putin's going to survive. I, I think that Putin is done, and based on the people that I've talked to that are more knowledgeable than I am about this topic, they all agree that he can't survive now. I think what he's doing is trying to survive with the propaganda about uh, having achieved all his objectives. Now he's going to shift his strategy. I, I think it's all propaganda. But the president cannot stand up and talk about regime change anywhere, uh, especially given the uh, nature of covert action and the amount of oversight uh, that goes into that and the legal restrictions that are uh, placed on it. But does that not also potentially create an escalation if if Vladimir Putin feels like he he is backed into a corner? I mean, this guy is sitting on a nuclear arsenal. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. But uh, yes, it it, it is a uh, it, it is making him uh, uh, giving him an opportunity to use that against us with his own people. The, the Russian people are disgusted with him. But now he can say, I, I was right the whole time. I told you that's what they were after. They're trying to bring down our government. They're trying to destroy Russia. And uh, and they are masters of propaganda. And I think that what we did is the president just played right into his hands. And uh, not only that, our allies are ticked off, too. Our allies are very unhappy with us for doing that because while they all believe the same thing, that Putin should go, uh, it has really made any negotiations that they have, unilateral or bilateral no, uh, negotiations, have been made more complex now by the president standing up and saying that. Uh, very quickly, General, we're just about out of time. The the Russian defense ministry basically saying they've completed phase one, uh, regrouping. What's taking place? Uh, are Are they... At a at a, uh, a standstill and facing the Ukrainian forces. Yeah, they are there. It's a stalemate right now. You look. My view is the Ukrainians. They don't have to win. They just have to not lose. And I think that that's exactly where we are right now. And and Putin and his military have been abysmal failures. And I think that this is propaganda. 
And once again, he's trying to convince the Russian people that everything has been a success. He knew what he was doing to begin with, and that's just simply not the truth. It's all propaganda as far as I'm concerned. All right, General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Tony. And folks, I, I want to encourage you to be praying about this situation because this is a, uh, we, we are in a very, very delicate situation globally, but the United States is right in the middle of it. And we now have several really bad actors that have the capability of doing tremendous harm, not only to the United States, but to the entire world. So we need to make this a matter of prayer. Also, again, uh, you can help us out in determining where to put our focus in terms of uh, Washington Watch. Text the word poll to 67742. That's 67742. Let us know how you listen to the broadcast or watch it. So text that and we'll send you a link. All right, don't go away. We're going to be joined by Chris Mitchell next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Iran's foreign minister last week said a new nuclear deal between his country and the West was, quote, closer to an agreement in Vienna than ever before, end quote. But as U.S. Special Envoy for Iran, Robert Malley, pointed out at an international conference yesterday, they've been pretty close for some time. And you can be close for a very long time and never get there, end quote. One of the last remaining sticking points in the talks is reportedly the status of the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard. 
uh, which the Biden administration is considering removing from the foreign terrorist organization list, a move that former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said would be, quote, a dangerous capitulation, end quote. Joining me now to talk about this and more is Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief for Christian Broadcasting Network, joining us live from Jerusalem. Chris, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you again, Tony. Thanks so much for staying up late there. It's about midnight, isn't it? Uh, it's about 1230. Okay. OK. All right. Well, give or take 30 minutes. All right. <laughs> so what can you tell us about where things stand right now with the Iran nuclear talks? We had the secretary of state there yesterday with your prime minister. Uh, what's it look like? Well, it looks like the, the biggest uh, sticking point is what you just mentioned, uh, Tony, that the uh, the Biden administration would take the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps off the what's called the FTO, the Foreign Terrorist Organization. Uh, that seems to be something here in Israel. They're very concerned about that. what that would do. It would uh, actually permit the IRGC to have billions of dollars. And uh, they're one of the arms of the, uh, the Islamic regime that really does these nefarious acts and uh, throughout the Middle East. Now, what they had today and yesterday was what they call the Negev Summit. This was uh, four uh, Arab nations sent their foreign ministers. That would be Morocco, UAE, uh, Bahrain, and uh, <clears throat> and also the uh, uh, Anthony Blinken was there as well, as well as Israel. And uh, what it was symbolic. It was down at David Ben-Gurion's home in Sid Boker. But I think what it actually did was give the uh, these foreign ministers a chance to tell Anthony Blinken what they actually thought of the uh, the Iranian nuclear deal, as many people understand it is, and uh, and how that how dangerous that would be not only for Israel but for the entire Middle East and especially the Sunni Arab nations. See, that's something that's often lost in this discussion. People think it's just Israel that doesn't want it, but there's a lot of your neighbors there. In, the, in that neighborhood of Israel that do not want it either. No, exactly. And, and there is much in a, a danger to, uh, to Iran or Iran. This is uh, how they consider Iran a mortal danger as much or more uh, as, uh, as uh, Israel. And so they had a united voice right now to try to convince uh, Tony Blinken, uh, you know, this is such a dangerous deal. We also spoke earlier today, uh, Tony, with a former Israeli ambassador to the U.S., uh, Michael Oren. Uh, he was telling us what he thought about it. And he said uh, right now he would see if this deal goes through as is. Uh, really, that it's going to lead to a major Middle East conflagration. We talked uh, last week with Victoria Coates. Uh, she was the one actually in the State Department that helped put in the uh, the uh, foreign terrorist organization to the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. She feels it's going to be a very uh, bad uh, move for the Biden administration. And many people here in Israel uh, and, and the Middle East can't see why the Biden administration will do uh, what this uh, deal says they could give as many as $90 billion or more uh, to the Islamic regime, really giving them an economic lifeline. And as uh, Michael Oren was explaining to us, what Iran's plan is, is actually to surround Israel with, uh, you know, ballistic and precision-guided missiles in Hezbollah with Lebanon and Hamas, the Houthis down in uh, Yemen, as well as his, uh, Iraqi militias, in Iraq and also the uh, Iran itself, so that when Israel, if it has to, go ahead and uh, attack Iran's nuclear facilities, 
uh, you know, they can pummel uh, uh, Israel from so many directions. So this is really a very, very bad deal. Many people believe here in the Middle East that, as I said, could lead to a conflagration. Chris, yesterday, uh, Tony Blinken said that in principle, we stand with Israel, but it's it's not so much the principle that's a concern, it's the practical applications of this treaty with uh, Iran. Exactly. And and a lot of people say, you know, it was ironic that the uh, Blinken came here to say, you know, we have your back. Well, some people believe yeah, that it's actually a bit of a stab in the back to uh, to Israel and to many of these other countries here in the Middle East. Uh, and, uh, you know, they say, and as Tony Blinken said yesterday, you know, they believe the JCPOA, which is called the Joint uh, Comprehensive Plan of Action, is the only way to go ahead and put uh, Iran's nuclear program in a box. But what it actually does, it allows uh, enriched uranium to continue. And in a few years, these sunset clauses will actually allow Iran to uh, to have all the enriched uranium it needs to have not only a nuclear bomb, but an arsenal. It also fails to address two of the other uh, programs that make a nuclear weapon so dangerous, uh, the nuclear warhead that has to be uh, developed, and also the ballistic missiles. Iran has one of the the most advanced ballistic missile programs in the entire world, uh, and this this, uh, address, it doesn't address uh, these two elements, key elements of a nuclear program. and it, it, it extends the time. for They're going to get it eventually, but we're going to actually give them money in the process, which will not only help them in the development of this by funding it, but fund their terrorist activity that's going on around the world through proxies. Uh, Chris, exactly. we're, and they hit. We're, we're out of time. But uh, again, I want to thank you for staying up late and joining us. Always great to see you and uh, and talk with you. And I'm sure we'll be uh, checking back within with uh within days to see how this deal goes forward, if it does. I'm sure we will, Tony. Thank you. All right. Chris Mitchell, CBN News from Jerusalem. Great source of information. All right. Coming up next, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman joins us to talk about authoritarianism and the demise of civil liberties. That's here. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media. 
even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, uh, I sure could use your help as we determine where to put our focus in terms of how people access the content from Washington Watch. Some are watching, uh, watching online, some are watching on TV, some are listening on radio. And you can help us by texting the word poll to 67742. That's the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742, and I'll send you back a link that can, with a selection of different ways in which Washington Watch is consumed, and that'd be very helpful to us. So uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, it'd be a blessing to me. All right. Authoritarianism, by definition, is a governmental or political system, principle or practice in which individual freedom is held as completely subordinate to the power or authority of the state centered either in one person or a small group that is not constitutionally accountable to the people. Does that sound uh, somewhat familiar? Well, I think it does, because for the last couple of years here in the United States and elsewhere around the world, we've seen more and more government leaders hand down onerous orders and mandates in the name of COVID. Well, problem is even more widespread than most of us realize, which is why my next guest is is hosting a free-of-charge virtual event taking place tomorrow to help you understand it, because in order to fight it, you have to understand it. Joining me now to tell us more about this, former Congressman Michelle Bachman, Dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University and the chair of the Family Research Council. Michelle, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you so much. It's great to be on your show today. So let's talk about uh, the concern of authoritarianism. I mean, it is, it's something we've been seeing a lot of in the last two years. 
Yeah, it is. And Tony, everybody across the world, not just in America, but across the world, people are saying, what is going on in America? What is going on in my society? One example would be the truckers up in Canada when the prime minister famously put a freeze hold on anybody who was connected with the trucker uh, roll on into Ottawa. Into Ottawa. They, they put a freeze on their bank accounts. This is happening not just in America, not just in Canada, but literally all across America. We already had authoritarian governments where there's communist governments, for instance, Russia, China, the 57 Muslim nations. There's a lot of authoritarian governments. What's different is that now the Western democracies of the world, the last holdouts for freedom, these nations now have a rise of global authoritarianism. And what's really strange, Tony, is that this is happening simultaneously and it's happening suddenly. It's happening all over the world. And so that's why we are doing a deep dive tomorrow from Regent University with some of the finest collection of speakers that we could pull together, easy to listen to, experts in their field, to explain what is going on in our world. What can we do about it? And what will this mean for the future of our nation? And Michelle, you know how government works, that using the coronavirus as a reason to exercise this authority, rarely does government give authority back to the people. And so what it's doing is setting a new standard, eclipsing the civil liberties of the American people. Well, you're exactly right, Tony. And we're in that process right now to discover whether or not we as American citizens will ever get that level of control back. Again, you, you gave it well in the definition of authoritarianism. In our system of government in America, it is the people who get to choose the leaders of our nation, and by that extension, the laws that we live under. That's all taken away from us when authoritarianism is what rules and when essentially global organizations are now making decisions. I'll give you one example. This weekend, Bill Gates came out and said he believes 100% of Americans should stop eating beef and all move to synthetic beef. Well, Bill Gates has a lot of say. He's very wealthy. He owns a huge corporation, but he's highly influential, not only just in the recent COVID restrictions, but also going forward as a member of the World Economic Forum. We'll be looking at items like that and what it is that people can do going forward because we want to regain our liberties, not succumb to even right. greater authoritarianism. Yes, and I talked about this last week on the program. That's why FRC Action is suing the Biden administration over yes. the FAA mask mandate because, as we've argued, where we end this pandemic is where we start the next unless we take back our freedoms and our rights to determine yeah. for ourselves. So who are some of the speakers and what are some of the topics that are going to be covered tomorrow? Well, the first first topic will be covered by the Hoft brothers. They run the exciting website, The Gateway Pundit, one of the biggest conservative websites. They have an archive. They'll go through a timeline with actual examples of the rise of global authoritarianism. After that, we're going to have Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, and we'll also have Leo Holman, two great reporters, two great academics who are, again, very easy to listen to. They'll both do deep dives into this organization 
organization called World Economic Forum, the organization that has been meeting twice a year in Davos, Switzerland. And they're cooking up all these great ideas for people in the world that we need to come under their control rather than under the freedom's control. Then Senator Rand Paul will join us live from Washington, D.C. He'll talk about medical authoritarianism, his interactions with Dr. Fauci and with COVID. And then we will hear from the great Dr. Ed Heinsen, who is the former head of the Divinity School at Liberty University. We're going to set the table with the geopolitical situation, but we're not going to leave it there. We want Dr. Ed Heinsen to speak about what does the Bible have to say about these days we live in? Does the Bible have something to say about authoritarianism? So we'll hear from Dr. Ed Heinsen, and then we'll end with a great Christian historian, Bill Federer, who will go through the entire history of authoritarianism, of socialism, fascism, communism, and we'll see where we're at today in America and other freedom-loving nations around the world, and how will we compare with what's happened across the world. So this will be a full day. We'll have it all archived at the same website, regent.edu forward slash globalism. You register there, you watch the program there, and you can go back and rewatch the programs. And you can take uh, each individual speaker, you can share it with other people, you can live stream this. It's all free. We don't want to have any proprietary advantage here. We want everyone to have the information. And people won't get this information anywhere else because in our nation, it is censorship and it's canceling. And yeah. so the media, that's why we have to have an F, a family research council and we have to have your show, Tony, because people can't find out the truth anywhere else. So we're trying to be part of that solution. Bring truth to the people because God's people perish for lack of knowledge. We're here to give five hours of the greatest cutting edge knowledge you're going to find on this topic. What is happening in our world today? Well, that's a great lineup of speakers. And uh, be sure and tell Dr. Heinsen, who was one of my professors when I was at Liberty University, <laughs> that I said hello. That, that's a great lineup. And once again, before we go, tell our, tell our viewers and listeners how they can be a part of this tomorrow. Sure, Tony. Just go to your computer and type in regent.edu forward slash globalism, regent.edu forward slash globalism. It begins at noon Eastern time and it goes until five o'clock Eastern time. It's five hours. It's fast paced. You'll be on the edge of your seat. So go to regent.edu forward slash globalism beginning at noon Eastern time tomorrow. All right, Michelle Bachman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for stopping in today. And uh, we'll be uh, encouraging people to join you tomorrow. Thanks again, Tony. Really appreciate it. All right. Michelle Bachman, Dean at the Regent School of uh, Government. All right. New guidelines issued this month by the World Health Organization. Now, this is the same organization that, as I mentioned earlier, was giving cover to the communist Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party. When they sat on their hands, when the coronavirus was beginning to spread, they didn't warn the rest of the world. Well, now they've come out with a 210-page document guidelines that are suggesting, or not actually suggesting, but really demanding that laws and other regulations that prohibit abortion based on gestational age limits be eliminated by all countries. Uh, this is, uh, well, joining me now to talk more about this and where this is going is Mary Socks, 
Mary is the director of FRC Center for Human Dignity. Mary, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me on, Tony. All right. This document by the World Health Organization is quite, to me, is stunning that they are coming out and, and essentially saying that any jurisdiction that would try to limit abortion is violating human rights. It is stunning, Tony. And, and you know, it's, it's not in line where the rest of the world is in their view of protecting life in the womb. Family Research Council recently released the World Report comparing the U.S. abortion laws to laws around the country protecting unborn life. And what we found is that over 50 percent of countries across the world protect life in the womb in all cases or in case in in all cases except for specific exceptions like rape incest and fetal anomaly which of course we we want unborn children to be completely protected but but what that tells us is that over 50% of countries are actually protecting unborn children and only 3% of countries allow the kind of the kind of tragedy the the exploitation of the unborn child in the womb the destruction of life in in the same manner as the world health organization is promoting and and those countries of course include north korea china and the united states uh, mary on page 28 of the guidelines it says quote while methods of abortion may vary by gestational age pregnancy can safely be ended regardless of gestational age gestational age limits are not evidence-based they restrict when lawful abortions may be provided by any method end quote this seems to be running counter to the testimony before the united states supreme court in the recent dobbs case that we're anticipating a decision on it absolutely is. But in one sense, Tony, the, the World Health Organization got it right. Gestational age limits don't make sense when we're talking about whether or not an unborn child dies. But unfortunately, that's not what the World Health Organization was referring to. They were talking about gestational age limits not matter, mattering for the mother. And that's just false. We know that early second trimester abortions have a 15 times higher mortality rate than early abortions. We know that that abortions after the point of viability have a 76 times greater mortality rate than early abortions. So what the World Health Organization is promoting is, is abortions that will result in not just the death of an unborn child, but the death of many more mothers as well. Also, uh, on page 28, uh, I, I want to quote again from the report. It says, international human rights laws requires, and let me underscore that, international human rights laws requires that quality of care be central to the provision and regulation of sexual reproductive health. And thus, that regulation of abortion is evidence-based, scientifically and medically appropriate, and up to date. Well, as you just pointed out, science is making it very clear that abortion is harmful to women. But yet it's like everything else that we're seeing from the left. They sweep the inconvenient science under the rug. They absolutely are. And and this isn't even in line with, with 
what people in America want. You know, this is this is really the far left extremist view. You know, people in America, we see that over 50% of Americans actually are supportive of protecting an unborn child in the womb after his heart is beating. And and this is is demanding that countries who value life change their laws to accept abortion on demand until the birth of the child. So, so Mary, how will this be used? I mean, this is coming from an agency of the United Nations. It is, you know, basically a declarative document saying that these countries should change their laws lest they be found as violating human rights. How might this be used by the left? Well, we've seen in 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 countries throughout the world who have laws protecting life, we've seen organizations like Marie Stopes International, like Planned, Parent Inter- Parent- Planned Parenthood International, point to the World Health Organization um, as, as a standard of care. And we've also seen these organizations come in to countries who actually need maternal health care. And, and they have said, we'll provide maternal health care for your people, but included in that has to be access to abortion. Right. Well, this idea is it's just false that this is actual health care. Yeah, I, and I think our State Department under the present administration would use this to twist the arms of these various governments and even linking our foreign funding uh, to these types of policies, even though they're not U.S. policies, they're U.N. policies. Mary Sock, thank you so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. You're on top of all these issues, and it's always good to hear from you. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. You know, folks, again, this is... Uh, This is another example of how elections have consequences. This wouldn't have been happening. In fact, we saw a push to the contrary under the last administration where states were signing on to a declaration promoting the sanctity of human life. That was being driven by the former secretary of state. All right, out of time. But again, if you would, poll. Text the word poll to 67742 and let us know how you listen to Washington Watch. That's the word poll to 67742. All right, until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.